Hello, Stitchers. Welcome to Stitch Please, the official podcast of Black Women Stitch, the sewing group where Black Lives Matter. I'm your host, Lisa Woolfork. I'm a fourth-generation sewing enthusiast with more than 20 years of sewing experience. I am looking forward to today's conversation, so sit back, relax, and get ready to get your stitch together. everybody and welcome to 2020. This is our very first episode of the Stitch Please podcast in the year 2020. It's January 1st, 2020. I keep saying that it's 2020 because I have a hard time believing that that's actually a real year. It seems like, you know, I'm still getting over the idea that years don't start with the numbers 19, like 1987 or 1999. 2000 was fine. That was a great year. And now, but I think 2000 was like just a few years ago and not actually 20 years ago. So um, here we are in the new year and I'm very glad to be here and I'm very glad that you decided to join us today. Today's episode is called a Sankofa episode. And the reason I've chosen this is that it gives us the opportunity to look back at where we have been Think about where we are and where we want to go. And so the the word Sankofa, S-A-N-K-O-F-A, is from the Akan people in Ghana. And it's represented by two symbols. One is a bird with its head turned backwards with an egg in its mouth and its feet pointed forward, as well as a stylized symmetrical heart. And both of these are meant to reflect the idea that you can move forward, but that it's also important to look back, that it's important to keep your history in mind as you progress into the future. So the literal translation of the word Sankofa is go back and get it. But some of the other representations or manifestations of the word are the phrase um, remembering our past um, to protect our future or to go back to the past and bring forward what is useful. And so I wanted to do this as a type of, not necessarily a year in review, but as a way to think about where the stitch, the origins of the Stitch Please podcast, as well as some background information on Black Women's Stitch, as well as some upcoming exciting projects that we have going on and um, some victories or accomplishments or I'm not sure what word to use, but to describe um, where we are today. So that's what we're going to discuss right now. So when I, wanna, when I look back to what 2019 meant for Black Women's Stitch, it was a very powerful and formative year for us. The group started, I started the group in 2018 on Instagram just as a way to reach out to other Black women who sewed. It was very simple. That's what Black Women's Stitch was about. It was, I didn't want to do it through Facebook. I thought that was a lot to manage. I work full time. Um, I have kids and um, I do some organizing and just other things that I have going on. And I thought that a Facebook group would be too much to manage. And I'd also seen a lot of Facebook groups sprawl or spiral out of control as they got bigger and bigger and bigger, that they strayed away from the original values that the organization had established. And I think that's still true for quite a few groups, um, that you start with this one um, intention and you don't keep that in mind because you want to 
grow or you want to or the, or your your goals change. Anyway, I just thought I didn't want to deal with that. I wanted to show my sewing projects and talk about sewing with people who also basically cared about some of the same things that I did. And so one of the realizations that I had as I was building the group was that I wanted to sew with other people who also believed that Black Lives Matter. It's very simple, a very, very simple idea. And I arrived at that because I had been involved in some local organizing in my community, which is Charlottesville, Virginia, um, for quite a while, um, just small things like maybe going to city council, writing a letter to the editor, um, just, just you know, being involved in the community. And, but it wasn't until 2017 when we had a really aggressive streak of white supremacist activism that impinged on our community. And we had, the year 2017, we had, it felt like Klan rally after white supremacist rally after neo-Nazi rally, back to back to back. We had one in May of 2017. We had one in June of 2017. We had a Klan rally in July of 2017. And then in August of 2017, we had uh, the largest white nationalist, white supremacist rally in modern U.S. history. And um, it was terrible. And uh, a woman was killed. I was on the scene for that when the white supremacist drove his car through a a crowd of counter-protesters. I was standing right there. It was a nightmare. And it just really changed a lot about how I, about what I was willing to accept. And by that, I mean, I had been sewing and quilting with various white organizations, various um, local quilt groups, statewide quilt groups, um, large regional collectives for quite some time, maybe 15 years or so. And the silence on this issue that I thought was really pretty important that we couldn't let white supremacists come and dominate our public streets and get their way. Um, It was very disappointing, um, the way that they were willing to just accept this as that basically for many of the white people that I had been sewing with, that the virulent racism, white supremacy, and Nazism was unfortunate, but nothing you could really do about it, so no big deal or who cares, or why does it have to be you, or if we just let them do what they want to do and ignore them, they'll go away. I mean, history teaches us that this is not the case. I mean, this is, you know, we already had a war about this. World War II was pretty much about how you can't just let Nazis do what they're going to do and hope they burn themselves out. These folks are not naughty toddlers, right? They are not just kids that need to be sat in a corner and ignored. And so it was really disappointing to have that response, especially after um, what I had been through and surviving this very terrifying attack. And so it might seem strange that I would turn to a sewing group for this or to create a sewing group for this, but it really was a logical extension um, because I had spent so much time in these groups 
basically ignoring a lot of racism, ignoring a lot of microaggressions, ignoring a lot of um, give money to send their congregations to Africa or to Haiti to, quote unquote, save black people, but would also lock their doors when they drove through a black neighborhood or who, if they saw a black person on the street, would cross the street or grab their purse. And they thought these ideas were totally, you know, compatible. And it was just it just after a while, it became too much. And after surviving the terror attack for me, it became absolutely intolerable. And so I don't know what had, I don't know what took me so long to get to the point where I thought, let me just try my own thing. And I'd had friends who had told me for years, why do you do this? Why do you go to these things? Why do you put up with this? And I had thought for so long that, well, what else am I going to do? I mean, I don't want to start my own group. That's a lot of work. I don't want to, you know, I mean, I'm in a predominantly white community. I don't know how to do anything otherwise. And it wasn't until in the aftermath of the experience that I just explained to you that I just, that I finally said, you know what, if they can do it, I can do it. Um, and that was a very powerful decision on my part to kind of take this leap of faith and just start Black Women's Stitch and, and, and to announce from the very beginning what the group was going to be about. Now, when I started, I didn't think that anybody else would be interested in this but me. I was sure that it would just be me and maybe I'd find one or two people, um, maybe. But, you know, this was just a small little niche idea. Not that, you know, really just see what happens. And it turns out that that's not the case at all, that there were lots of other groups that I could turn to um, and get inspiration and mentorship from and to learn from. Um, And this includes um, the Yarn Mission um, in St. Louis, Missouri, which does knitting for black liberation. Um, There's Black Girl Social Club that Crystal Branton has created. There's Brown Sugar Stitchers uh, Quilting Guild. There's so many different African-American in, uh, quilting organizations, for example. Um, I was thinking even back historically to there's an African-American fashion designer organization that Mary McLeod Bethune, who helped, who, who founded Bethune-Cookman College, which is now um, Bethune-Cookman University, that she helped to create in like the 1940s. So it wasn't like I was starting something new. It was just that I didn't realize that there were so many models that already existed for what I wanted to do. So I now feel like I am stepping into a history for creating a space for black women where we can just breathe and do what we love without waiting for the other shoe to drop, that we can center ourselves, we can talk about things that are meaningful and valuable to us without feeling like we have to code switch or code mesh or explain things that to us don't need to be explained. And it also helps me to feel just safer 
just to feel safe and heard and seen in doing something that I love. And that's one of the most beautiful things that um, has come about this year with the growth of Black Women's Stitch. When we come back, I'll talk a little bit about some of the activities that we did in 2019 and what the next phase of our progress looks like from here. Stay tuned. Stitch Please, the official podcast of Black Women Stitch, we talk a lot about sewing. But if you want to see and not just hear about some of the things we've been discussing, feel free to join us on the socials. You can find us at Stitch Please on Facebook, and you can also find us on Instagram at Black Women Stitch. You can find photos of projects that we've been working on, really interesting social commentary. And on Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, you can join Black Women Stitch for a live Instagram chat. Again, that's every Thursday at 3 p.m. So find us on the socials, follow up with us. We are happy to hear your direct messages. You can reach out to us at the Black Women Stitch page on Instagram, and we'll help you get your stitch together. Welcome back. You're listening to the Stitch Please podcast. And today our special episode is called Sankofa, uh, where we're going to talk about what it means to look back at our past in order to bring what's necessary into the future. This isn't a case of looking at the past in order to avoid it or to escape it. It doesn't have these negative connotations that the past is somehow a sinister force. It's looking at the past in such a way as to better contextualize ourselves, our current lives, to acknowledge our ancestors, to acknowledge good and bad things, and and, and at least that's how I'm seeing it, in order to move forward into a bright future. I I think a lot about time and that the fact that I'm here right now in the podcast studio, also known as my son's room while he's away at college, but he's back now and he's like, mom, I need to use my room. And I say, oh, the podcast studio? And he says, why do you call it that? And I was like, what do you mean? But one of the reasons that I'm sitting here right now in January 1st, 2020, is that one day this is going to be somebody's past. And it's just really important, I think, to kind of acknowledge the range of the range of experiences that we've had because all of it makes up who we are. And so, um, I've been talking a bit about some of the origins um, of the Stitch Please podcast or of Black Women's Stitch in particular. And I'm going to turn now to the Stitch Please podcast. But I wanted to talk before I get to the podcast itself would be to talk about Black Women's Stitch and what 2019 meant for Black Women's Stitch. I really enjoyed this year's Kwanzaa um, and the Ngoso Saba, the seven principles of Kwanzaa, because I felt like almost every day of Kwanzaa this year, well, every day of Kwanzaa in 2019, last year, also known as yesterday, um, felt it really, each of, each of those days really spoke to me about something really meaningful about um, cooperative economics, about creativity, uh, about self-determination. And so I really feel like Black Women's Stitch was that type of activity for me this year. As I mentioned in the previous section, I started this um, organization, I started this project 
as just a way to reach out and to center black women, girls, and femmes in sewing. Because so much of my own creative life, working in predominantly, predominantly white institutions, working in predominantly white schools, living in predominantly white communities, anything that I wanted to do would be done in a predominantly white setting. And so um, it wasn't, as I said earlier, until the traumatic aftermath and what I perceived to be the very negative feedback from the white women that I had been sewing with for all those years that I decided that this was ultimately and cumulatively harmful to me. And so I wanted a space that I could just be myself, you know, where I didn't have to explain things. I didn't have to, like I said, wait for the other shoe to drop. And it was a lot of waiting for the other shoe to drop. And people would do things that were really harmful and racist. And then when confronted on them, which I did and said, well, this is not appropriate or this is racist. It was, oh, I didn't know. I mean, things that are like really explicit, like essentially using a yellow face minstrelsy show in order to talk about quote unquote Asian fabrics um, or um, putting your hands next to your eyes to pretend that you're Asian. Like that's racist. This is harmful. Oh, we didn't know. I didn't know it was going to happen this way. And it was, it was hard. It was difficult. And then after a while, cumulatively, it became something that I could no longer accept. And it was really a beautiful gift to me in a way, as sometimes our really negative experiences can be, because it, re- it showed me that I didn't have to. I didn't have to accept that, that I could create something that would be fun and nurturing and not traumatic and a really, you know, as I like to say, a black ass good time, which is what I've done in 2019. And so I'm looking back at the year. And um, one of the first things that I did for 2019 was I hosted a Black Women's Stitch Beach Week. And this was a small group of black women. We met at a beach house um, right on the ocean. And we sewed and talked and sewed and drank and sewed and ate. And people made amazing and fantastic food and amazing cocktails. And I met these women and we, it was like someone described it as lightning in a bottle. Like we really had a fantastic time. Um, We were there a week. We just had a really good time because there were, we, we came together in this space to sew and have fun. That's a small thing, but it's also a really big thing to be able to do this in such a way that centers, honors, sees, and acknowledges the complexity and the beauty that is within black women. And I was so glad that I was able to put that, to pull that together. And just quick side note, we do have one spot available for 2020, um, one spot available. So if you are interested, you can send me a DM and we can have a conversation. I have an interest form that I can provide for people who are interested, but yeah, that was really fantastic. So that was in March of 2019. Then in June of 2019, I applied for a local artist grant in order to co-sponsor a 
a pop-up sewing studio and to get some of the seed money to create the podcast. This um, organization that I went through is here in Charlottesville. It's a wonderful arts organization called um, New City Arts. I won the competition and I was awarded a small grant, which was one of the largest ones that they'd given, provided by the community. It was this wonderful, no strings attached. We trust you as an artist to do what you want to do. And um, can I just say that I had no idea that I was going to win because I was like, am I really an artist? I mean, I'm a sewist. I do make all my clothes and my underwear and I'm starting to make my bras and make clothes for my kids. Like, is sewing art? You know, so I had all of these. um, But I went and did the presentation and I talked about the passion that I had for the work that I was doing. And it seemed to really appeal to people who were there in the audience that day. So it was a crowdsourced, crowdsourced competition and they chose me. And again, I was stunned because I was like, oh my gosh, this person's a real artist. They're a photographer or this person's a painter. And they were all amazing. And so I was like very, you know, unsure. I said, well, at least I got this far. That's kind of encouraging. (laughs) And so when I won, I was like, oh my gosh, I kept looking around like who me? Um, But it was really nice. And I do acknowledge New City Arts for um, putting this together. It's a great competition that they've created um, that allows artists to speak about their works and to get direct funding from the community. And so with that money, I hosted along with the So Creative Lounge, a pop-up sewing studio and it allowed 40 community members here in Charlottesville to um, attend basically a sewing workshop and I used um, half the grant money that I was awarded for 40 so that it was 40 people maximum it was two classes one class uh, basically of the 40 people of the 40 participants 20 people could attend the class for free um, and I was just so glad to be able to do that so that this did not, there were no barriers to participation. It was a fantastic experience. I was able to call on some sewing sisters from Black Women's Stitch to come and help. We worked with Cecily, who came and did this great workshop on helping everybody who took that class left with a skirt. Um, And that was really fantastic. And this was open to the entire community, Um, you know, regardless of how one racially identified, you could come and sew and make a skirt. And it was really such a beautiful fruition of the vision that I'd had about what it meant to bring sewing to Charlottesville and to help more people realize how great it was to sew something, because I think it does give you a tremendous feeling of accomplishment. And that was hosted in July of 2019. Then a few months later, in October of 2019, I wanted to do another retreat. And I ended up doing a retreat called the Stitch Please, which was a retreat here in Charlottesville. And it was absolutely amazing. And I was able to do some fundraising in order to try to keep the costs low. And I was able to bring in my hairdresser. She came for a few hours in her amazing magic hairdressing truck. People were able to get their hair done. Um, We got massages from the... um, Common Ground Healing Arts Center. They came and did chair massages with us. Tabia from The Hive, which is a local makerspace, came and we made bath salts and um, lotion bars. And there was just so much fun. It was such a beautiful time. And this is another event that we're going to be holding in October of 2020. So just put that on your calendar. If you're interested, let me know. I'm sure I'll be talking about it more in the upcoming year. But um, as soon as we get the dates on the calendar, it's going to coincide with the University of Virginia's 
um, what they call um, reading holiday. I'm a professor at the University of Virginia, so we need to have it when I'm on break because I can't be missing classes. <laughs> um, and that is I, something that, I, you know, the university, I don't think cares that much, but I don't like to do that. I really like my students and I like my classes and I don't want to miss. Um, and so this was a really fantastic event. It was such, I don't know, I think people, and I got a lot of great feedback for everything. Everything that I did, um, there, I was always surprised that there were black women who felt as I did, or felt it even more acutely. I was really surprised that there were folks who might have even come from majority black cities or municipalities and still felt like they had never been able to center themselves or not feel slightly like an outsider doing something that they loved. And this is what Black Women's Stitch is about. It's basically table setting. It's setting the table for people to come, for Black women, girls, Black femmes, to come and be welcome. And that, I think, is so important. And that's who I'm reaching out to, and that is what Black Women's Stitch is about. And so moving forward, moving into our next phase, we've got some really exciting things coming up. So I'm going to tell you about that after a short break. Hello, everyone. I wanted to tell you about a quick opportunity to support the Stitch Please podcast that you might appreciate. If you're following our IG stories, you might know that my mother and sisters came to visit me for the December holidays. We did a great episode called a Christmas Kiki episode last week, and now here we are in the beginning of 2020. You might recall that my sisters, well, all of them helped. My mother helped a little bit too. She did. Um, Anyway, we created Mystery fabric boxes. These are USPS medium size boxes that are absolutely jam-packed stuffed with fabric. They're pretty heavy, but because it's a flat rate priority box, the shipping is all the same. So what we're offering is um, a variety of really cool boxes with all types of fabric in them. I've divided them into knit and woven. I think all we have yet is knit left over. Um, These will be cotton lycra knits, some custom knits, some ITY knits, lots of different knit fabrics that are all in these boxes. If you are interested in acquiring a box, send $30 via PayPal or Venmo or Cash App to me and the my all that information is in the show notes and I will put one of those boxes in the mail to you so $30 includes shipping and you will get a bunch of really interesting surprise fabrics that I obviously loved Um, But just, you know, sometimes you just don't get a chance to do anything with it. If you want a box of fabric, hit me up. Um, Again, $30 to PayPal, Venmo, or Cash App. And DM me your uh, mailing address or make sure you put it somewhere in the PayPal section just so I know where to send the boxes to. And I can do that pretty quickly. Thanks. Welcome back to the Stitch Please podcast, where we're doing a special episode for the new year called Sankofa. This is an opportunity to remember our past as we project 
our future or protect our future, which is one of the translations of the Akan word. I'm thinking about it today in, the, in terms of remembering our past to step into our future. And I was thinking about this in the context of New Year's Day traditions. Um, in African-American cultures, there's lots of different ways to go about this. But um, raised in the South, something we always did for New Year's was um, special meal, which I'm preparing right now. This is I'm recording this on New Year's Eve, which is unlike me. I try to like plan ahead, but you know, y'all, I'm not like a professional podcaster. I'm just like a person with a podcast studio in her son's bedroom, and uh, I was busy. It was a very busy holiday, so here I am, New Year's Eve. We had a wonderful dinner, and now I'm doing the last little bit of the podcast, but. One of the things that we like to do, um, at least within my um, African-American family and culture that w- in which I was raised is, and I've seen this with, from a lot of other folks, is there's certain things that you need to do in order for your house to be ready to greet the new year. Your house needs to be clean. You need to have your laundry done. And so I am working on a good enough policy for both the house cleaning and the laundry. The laundry is done. I have a very good collection of very clean clothes. My children and husband also have the same. The house is freshly cleaned from Christmas and um, we're just going to go with that. I am. Um, I do not have the energy to be a scrubbing and a vacuuming and everything else. So um, we're just going to move with that and just have that greet us into the new year. And uh, we have a special uh, meal that a lot of black Southerners prepare. And I'm not sure how this works in other other black communities around the U.S. I only know what I grew up with. And we would have collard greens, which represented, I think, long life. Some say money. Um, another thing we would have is black eyed peas, which is, um, not, I think that's just good luck. Some people, like my mother would sometimes make Hop and John, which is basically black eyed peas and rice, um, which is um, based on a dish made by um, an enslaved man. There's a lot of very rich history to Hop and John, but I don't really like Hop and John. I like my peas, my black eyed peas to be separate from the rice. So I'm also making some short grain rice or some medium grade, medium grain rice which is going to go with the black eyed peas. My children hate black eyed peas. I always make them have a spoonful and you would think that I was torturing them. And I say, well, you know, we do this because it's tradition. And my oldest boy just told me today, he's like, yes, it's tradition because it's old and disgusting. (laughs) And I was like, wow, that's really harsh. Um, But so, but we are having that. And I'm going to make a uh, sour cream pound cake because I like a little sweetness to start off the year. Isn't that nice? So that is um, an example, I think, of balancing the past into the future. Because as I said, sitting here in 2020, one day this will be someone's past. And it's, I think it's nice to have these traditions that, that can carry through. So speaking of traditions and things moving forward, uh, for Black Women's Stitch, we've got some really exciting things coming up. Um, I was recently awarded a Civic Innovation Fellowship, um, which is provided by a community organization here in Charlottesville. I'm really excited about that. 
I'm not exactly sure what I will be doing with this um, Civic Innovation Fellowship, but I I applied for it for, for the express purpose of supporting Black Women Stitch. And hopefully they will help me do things like get a website or um, mostly get a website. I think that would be really great. I kind of have a website, but as I was saying, it's a lot to do. And so I just don't have the energy to do all of it myself. So hopefully the Civic Innovation Fellowship would help with that. And I also want to host um, an in-person sewing event here in town. And I'm hoping that we I can use the fellowship to get support around that. So that's a pretty bright and exciting thing that I'm looking forward to for the future of Black Women Stitch. For the Stitch Please podcast, um, we recently, I think as of two days ago, hit 10,000 downloads. Um, thank you for listening to this, because if you are listening to this, you have contributed to that massive, in my opinion, number. Now, remember when I started the podcast, I thought that I would be the only person who would ever listen to it. And if we got a hundred downloads, that 98 of them would be from me, um, listening to the same episodes over and over. But I'm really, um, just humbled and excited and thrilled and grateful for people who have, um, taken the time out of their day to listen to me in my regular old voice talk about sewing and also talk to some really exciting people. We've got some great interviews coming up in January as well as through February and a few of the people who were moving through spring. Um, lots of great excitement for next time. We, we will be talking with um, So Ariel, who is an aerial artist. This is someone who does, I, I think the name of her episode is like not Cirque du Soleil, or it's kind of, I was kind of doing like a play on Cirque du Soleil, but this woman does incredible, beautiful aerial work. And she's a sewist that is doing a monthly dress challenge. And so we'll be talking with her um, next week. Then we have another interview coming up with Jabella Floor, who is Alyssa Bertrand, who makes amazing, gorgeous, vintage repurposed things for her three lovely daughters who are her muses and models and partners in um, the constructions of her amazing work. And so we'll be talking with her also later in January. We have some interesting topics that we're also going to be exploring. One of them is called Don't Save It, Just Sew It. Um, I think that I was really inspired by this um, after talking with a friend, because sometimes if you collect a lot of fabric like I do, you sit on pieces that are special and never, ever use them, which makes me wonder, why do you even have them if you don't want to sew them? And so I want to spend some time talking about what does it mean to sew with special fabric to, to use it? So. That episode will be called Don't Save It, Just Sew It. And then we also are going to have a conversation about sewing resolutions. There's a lot of them coming up. You've seen people doing stash reductions, people doing... There's actually, I know for um, Alethea Hudson in So Much Talent already has a year's worth of projects laid out for her group. We talked with Alethea last year. She was really great. She has a sewing retreat, um, not a retreat, it's a sewing excursion coming up, I believe in July of 2020. So do check out the So Much Talent page to find out information about that. Um, that's So Monica from Project Sew. She does a lot of great things with the Sew Your View Challenge. 
there's a lot of ways to think about sewing resolutions. And so that's something that we'll be talking about also in January. But I just wanted to give you a bit of an idea of where we were headed, where we've been, and where we're going next. And I hope that you will stick, up, stick around with us for this journey. It's been a really fantastic four months. That's how long the podcast has been out. I believe the, I did a preview episode in late August, like a trailer. And then the very first episode started in September. And that's four months. We are really just getting started. The podcast is still a baby. And um, we are, there's a lot of growing pains. And I, you know, I edit, produce this myself. Um, I design, I created this theme music. Um, a beautiful artist from Black Women's Stitch created our logo. So it really is a labor of And before we go, just one last thing. I'm already planning my first make of January 2020, or my first make of 2020 in general, and that is going to be a dress slash frock slash frosting slash ensemble for DC Frocktails. This is a fantastic event being held in the DC metro area for SOAS in that region and beyond on February 1st, 2020. That is one month away. Now, my plan was to make my dress by the end of 2020. I'm sorry, by the end of 2019. And that, friends, did not happen. So, I've got about a month to make my DC Frocktails dress, and I am certainly working on it, at least in my mind. But I wanted to let you know that Black Women's Stitch has a free ticket to give away for this event. I believe the event is sold out, but if you are a DC area sewist, if you are someone who is willing to travel, as there are quite a few people who are coming to DC Frocktails from out of town. And so that's very exciting. You can find out more information about DC Frocktails on their Instagram page as well as on their webpage. I will include the links to DC Frocktails in the show notes. And look out in the next few days on the Black Women's Stitch page about the details for our ticket giveaway. Thanks so much for joining us for this very first episode of 2020. Um, think about your own Sankofa moments, the things from your past that you want to honor and respect. I want to name here my great-grandmother, Ethel, um, my grandmother, Edna Walker, who died in 2018 at the age of 104. These are just two women who are in my lineage who also sewed and crafted and created and created lemonade out of lemons um, that they were handed in the difficult lives in which they were living and did so with, with joy and levity. And so think about who you want to name and bring, into, bring in with you to the future, um, which is today. Thanks a lot, everybody. Talk soon. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Stitch Please podcast, the official podcast of Black Women's Stitch, the sewing group where Black Lives Matter. There are a variety of ways that you can support the program, and you're doing it right now. By listening, to the pro- by listening to the podcast, it does help us grow. Another way to do that is to rate, 
the podcast, review it, subscribe to it. All of these things are ways that you can support the podcast without having to spend any money at all. If you would like to spend some money to support us, there are ways to do that as well. You can make direct donations to our Patreon site for monthly contributions, as well as one-time contributions to PayPal, Cash App, or Venmo. And finally, we have another cute, very adorable way for you to support the Black Women's Stitch Project. It's a pin, a P-I-N enamel lapel pin that's very cute. It's about two inches wide and one and a half inch tall, and it's of the Black Women's Stitch logo. And that is $15 with free shipping to the U.S. And so if you drop $15 in the PayPal, Venmo, or Cash App accounts, and then send me your email, no, not email, if you send me your mailing address to my email either at blackwomenstitch at gmail.com or you send me a direct message on the Black Women's Stitch Instagram page we will put the pin in the mail to you um, again free shipping $15 for the pin and all of this goes to support the Black Women's Stitch project thank you again for joining us this week come back next week and we will help you get your stitch together <laughs>